The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. Okay, well, listen. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast. You're here with Air McDoodle Jamesy. <laughs> We're still on Air McDoodles. <laughs> I thought maybe we well, moved I don't know. I think, we, I think we put that, uh, that, that baby to rest last we week. We didn't. Oh, we didn't. Come on now. I thought you had your fingers on the pulse of the diving community. Come on. Well, I know I know there's still some Air McDoodle they love lovers them. out there. There's a there's a uh, discussion on Facebook and uh one of the scuba forums currently and in our podcast was brought up with it. You know what? You are you are right. We uh nobody's going to put that to rest. Thanks to I I would like to say thanks to Scott and a couple of the others for dropping our name and tagging yes. us in that. And, and link in our show. They're they're on the quest too to to help and air McDoodles. <laughs> Let's start a well. There's an idea right there. Let's make a bumper sticker for that and air McDoodles. Save a life. Set an air McDoodle on fire. Friends don't let <laughs> friends <laughs> die with air McDoodles. <laughs> I like it. I mean, but you're always going to have these people who pop in, and I swear by it. And even even the one guy who had the air McDoodle and an octopus, or you know, alternate air source second stage, and it it came up. <laughs> yeah, it, I thought that was the height of, well, at least close to the height of uh, ridiculousness. But this guy wore it like a badge, which um, was a little scary. Well, and, and I get it, and, and a lot of them may have hundreds if not thousands of dives at the end of the day i know you as well as me could really care less what somebody else on the boat is diving with right i'm gonna go do my thing you're gonna go do your thing i guess where i'm at right now with a lot of stuff is so many people just haven't been shown something that's going to stay consistent with them for long term and or, you know, in the case of the Air McDoodle, is put it into practical use. Right. Yeah. Can you shove a regulator in somebody's mouth and, and not die using an Air McDoodle? Well, of course you can. They wouldn't be available on the market for purchase if that were the case. However, you know, just swimming along a reef in 30 feet versus you know, coming up from 130 feet of water out in blue water, leaving a, a shipwreck out in, you know, the middle of nowhere is a completely different game. And let alone the people that want to take that same little tool beyond, you know, recreational limits, realizing they've got prolonged stops to do on the way up. It's not just pop to the surface. 
there's, there's no practical application of it whatsoever. No, it doesn't lend itself to being uh, readily used easily. And you look like a fool. I mean, just watching a gas share using that piece of equipment versus, you know, a, I don't even care if it's a long hose or just a longer hose, but especially watching two divers with a long hose set up in a necklace. Just watch the two. Put them through any gas sharing scenario, and you'll see that that Air McDoodle, A, it's not fun, B, it's not comfortable or easy, and so it opens itself up to a whole lot of issues arising during your ascent back to the surface. And I think that's the issue. That is the issue, of course. Like what we, what we know today with decompression research and the value of a, of a clean ascent and you know what you do in the last... 30 feet, 20 feet, and 10 feet to the surface can make such a huge difference above and beyond just what that, you know, algorithm that's running on your computer. Being able to maintain control all the way up, communicate with who you're with, you know, to me, that's the big reason why, like, I I wouldn't even address the use of that device, especially knowing that it's not going to work at all in many environments that I like to dive with. <laughs> it's not even an option. So I look back at it, and again, it's, it's that whole scalability of, of the configuration of, well, I want something that is going to be the same for all the value everywhere I go, every time right. I go. Well, it doesn't work great or even well in the uh, in the basic scenario, in the very basic scenario, much less complicated with a little harsher environment or deeper environment. Right. It, yeah, it, you're right. It doesn't work well. It, you might be able to get by with it. Yeah, it's another place to get gas, but it's also a place where you're going to be controlling your buoyancy as you ascend to get the fuck out of the bottom. So this thing's in your mouth now. Are you controlling your buoyancy while it's in its in your mouth, or are you you lifting it and and exhausting the gas with your finger so you you have nothing in your mouth? Well, my BC has four dump valves on it now too. Well, uh, hey, listen, I should say this. Let's go there. Why <laughs> we didn't? I'm a little surprised we we didn't get any hate mail about it yet. in this day and age um, if somebody hates you that they have no qualms you know popping on their keyboard commando uniform and coming down and letting you know how bad of a human being you are for the things you believe in correct correct which is why you know when um i look at that facebook post about the, the the pros and cons of the said air mcdoodle that just popped up i mean there's hundreds of of mm-hmm. posts on that thing a uh, couple of people you know uh dropped our names thank you again um but there was nobody that said those sons of bitches just <laughs> tried to take down my beloved air mcdoodle there was people that were you know i mean and when i'm reading through the the, the posts of the, the people who are like pro the use of this device. Pro McDoodle. Like, I, I, I just read through it and I go, this is somebody that's just, you know, unenlightened, I, I, I guess is the simplest way I could put it. I would ask them, have you tried anything else? Have you used anything else? Or is this what you were given on uh, Open Water 101 day one and 
you stuck with it. Well, uh, and again, like I, I can see people that used to use an Octo. Well, yeah, and they, and it was never never stayed hooked up. Was always dragging, and somebody talked about, "Why don't you just put a you know an Air McDoodle on there? It'll get rid of a hose, and you're you're cleaner. It travels better." And they go, "Oh yeah, yeah, wow, this is great." Or or the people that you know use that in class and just got comfortable with it and and have never even considered something else. But again, this goes back a little bit to what we talked about before that the industry starts you off on the most basic and lets you have you know lets you grow and have to change things down the road as needed versus what you and I keep saying and coming back to that, that difference of training if if we would start with the end in mind instead and scale back you would never have to make the equipment change and regardless of how perfectly you may or may not be able to use said air mcdoodle there will be a time if you're going to continue to grow with your diving that it becomes obsolete and and not practical for use anymore you mean from day one (laughs) Uh, there is yeah yeah, there is that belief as well you open the door on that one but i was going to say the really nice thing about that air mcdoodle too or one of the really nice things is that it takes a bastard hose that there you go too right and and they all take a bastard hose right so i mean when you look at the air mcdoodles out there right scuba pro's got one aqualung's got one you know there's the atomic there's the mares there's the, the yeah there's a bunch of them out there and they all take different hoses that's a that's a point that we didn't I think that's the one point that we didn't bring up last week. Right. Is the fact that like if you're stuck out on a on a dive, you're fucked. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> The benefit of being fucked when you're out in a remote location and they don't sell your bastard hose because exactly as you said, every model has a different hose. Yeah. Or every brand, I should say, has a different hose. You're getting away with not having to have the weight of that that hose on your bags, but you have to if you're going to bring a spare one, right? And uh, I, listen, I, I get there's a lot of, lot of divers, and, and we've read a ton of stories, right? That I mean, this is this is the first push of the snowball <laughs> that we keep coming <laughs> to and reading, right? That 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 oh, I've got a hose issue. Uh, I'm just going to go without it and I'll be fine. Done a dive like this a hundred times. I'll just orally inflate my BC today. And, but this is, you know, if we've learned anything in 213 shows is this is when the stupid shit happens on the dive where now I need all of my training and equipment and experience because this dive, this is the one where the shit hits the fan. Right. Well, it's always the case. You know, it's never one thing. It, it, things happen in multiples. They <laughs> starts going to shit and more things add on to it. And when you've got a piece of equipment that lends itself to not being an easy thing to use when things go to shit, is that's when you'd be using this thing. Why you would complicate your life with that in order to save a hose is beyond me, though. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm not done here. <laughs> no, 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 no. So I would just like to take a moment and give a big shout out. Thank you once again, as we come to the end of the month, 
the end of April, all of you Patreon supporters out there, number one, I'll be the first to admit it, we don't do enough for you. We've got plans, but Brando and I barely have the time to put this show on every week, but we keep doing it because of the emails that you guys send like the one we're going to get to shortly uh the notification of of you patreon members coming through the the donations that pop up in paypal the the messages we get people wanting stickers and t-shirts and and stuff you know it's this shows for you guys and i wish there was another 20 hours in the week so i i really could do more and or we had another I keep employee saying we've got- another tiffany maybe five more tiffany's Actually, yes, a thousand Tiffany's could do the same work as one Tiffany. It's the beauty of our Tiffany's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we desperately need a real. What does Tiffany look Tiffany. like in your mind, James? What does she look like to you? <laughs> She's a brunette. Really? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was how more did redhead. you see Tiffany? I was redhead. You saw Tiffany as a redhead. Yes, kind of like a school teacher looking redhead. <laughs> the hot school teacher redhead. You've probably seen her before. <laughs> No, no, she's. I, I've seen her definitely as a like a wavy-haired brunette. Oh, wavy! I was going to say more like Marianne from Gilligan's Island. Yeah, yeah, a little bit like a. Uh, she's got definitely got a Marianne look. Mine's she's always wearing. She's always wearing those like jean shorts for sure. Yes, and the the little tie-up checkered blue country. No, girl. that that'd be that'd be ridiculous here in Michigan <laughs> in February time. I think actually Tiffany is a. Uh, Conglomerate is a mix of Ginger and Marianne from Gilligan's Island. In my mind, red hair and the elegance of Ginger with Marianne's wholesomeness. She's a the, she, Tiffany's a little bit, little bit Marianne, little bit Ginger, little bit, little bit Suzanne from Three's Company. Okay, I see where you're going with this. <laughs> I see where you're going with this. I always thought Mary Poppins was kind of hot. <laughs> so there's a little Mary Poppins. Can I throw a little Mary Poppins in? Is that, is that why you you always get that look in your eye every time I pull out an umbrella? <laughs> Practically perfect in every way, as my wife says. Well, listen, I want you to know something. I have got a show for you today. This show, at the end of this, you were going to say this show was super califragilisticexpialidocious. I'm already saying that. In my mind. I say that about every show, James. God damn it. <laughs> Speaking of all of those emails that we get, we've got one uh, that is just, it's, it's too good not to talk about. It's screaming and, and it, for its own show. <laughs> Am I right? This email is so good, it's screaming for its own show. It just really brings to light a lot of... A lot of the emails we get, you know, people that are, listen, I know there's probably a lot of people out there that think you and I are just a couple of blowhard assholes that have it out for the industry. Well, they're not wrong. They're not far off, right? (laughs) But I just feel bad for the people that I've run into for all these years that we keep running into. That the, and the stories never change. You hear about them over and over and over mm-hmm. again of people that just get dipped and dunked and a card thrown at them and, you know, their credit card taken and $2,000 of gear thrown at them and just sent off into the wild, you know, with the most 
basic lowest common denominator instruction that's meant for you holding a dive master's hand and, and they're they're told and sold the idea that they're ready to go out in the world and just do whatever they want on their own. And it, unfortunately, so many times it comes to these really bad near misses that shakes them and and they send us messages going, man, like I've, I've, I've been listening to your show. I've learned so much. You guys talk about all the, the little things that just, isn't talked about in most education and i and i get it like we've got the time to you know take 200 hours over the over the long burn to really dive deeply into each of these little topics that you don't in a regular class but still there's so much stuff that could be avoided yeah i mean our our uh, viewpoints and our where we stand with the issues that are brought up they didn't just uh pop up we 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 didn't just start out with this viewpoint we're 30 plus years of of diving experience at instructional level all different environments all kinds of different divers we've met we've put ourselves into thousands of different scenarios and uh the reason we we are this way is because because of what happened to us thing is my other thing is are we wrong at the end of the day, are we wrong about what we're saying in our criticisms, in our critique of the industry? Okay, so we got to change this girl's name, remember. Okay, to? Remember, she's, she's Australian. Okay, how about? I'm looking at the top popular, top baby names in Australia. Siobhan, Siobhan. That's Irish. I know, but the Australian girls that I knew were Siobhan's. There's Karen. I think Karen's up there, isn't it? I've known Karen? a uh, yes, an Ellen. I know an Ellen from Australia, and I've known a Karen from Australia, and I've known a couple of Siobhan's. What about uh, I? I I could I could I could see uh, an Ellen maybe. Top top ten top ten uh, baby names in Australia for girls. Emily. Okay. Harper. Harper, eh? Harper. Okay. Chloe. That's, yeah, that's nondescript. Grace. I don't know. The only one, the one that really sounds um, a little more Australian is Emily. That, for to me, anyway, I don't know why. What about Amelia? What about Amelia? Yeah, I live next door to him. How is it? Is it an A-M-E or It's an E-M? A, an A, A-M. Yeah, we had Amelia, Amelia next door. Um, number number one is a Charlotte. How about Crocodile Charlotte? Crocodile Charlotte. <laughs> I, <laughs> like Crocodile Dundee. Uh, well, she just Night got her name. <laughs> All right, we sorted that out. Okay, so we we got an email from Crocodile Charlotte, and uh, her name has been changed to protect the innocent. But she is a little lady from down under. Yeah, how, how many accents did I throw into in that there one? Uh, I know. I, I think I had three or four. Yeah. <laughs> I think I had three or four different accents in there. Well, it's like when you try to do a southern accent and you mix a little Texas, Texas draw. All right, you all get right, all a little right. bit of Texas, a little and bit of Tennessee, Georgia, a little bit of Cajun, Alabama, Mississippi, southern draw in there. <laughs> 
See, the people from around, see, the Australians, they, they probably don't realize there's so many different dialects Accents, to yeah. just American yeah. English, let alone just English, you know. Oh, yeah. We, yeah, we got yeah. our Midwestern Midwest. twang up mm-hmm. here, but Boston, East Coast, yeah, there's, oh. and there's difference between Boston and New York and right. the New Maine, and, and then you got, Oof. you know, Detroit. Midwest like us, but you also got, you know, the Minnesota, you know, Midwest, you got the Wisconsin Midwest, you got those Dakotas up there, you got the SoCals, the NorCals, you got the Texas Southern, you got the Alabama Texas, Southern, West Texas. You, oh, there, there's so Forget many different Louisiana ways to speak. Then you got Cajun, you got Cajun yeah. down there. Ha, ha, ha. So when we come up with our Australian accents, Mate, <laughs> there's, there's no telling what part of Australia we're talking about. If it's even Australia at all. <laughs> right. It could be over in England, maybe. May not even be a recognizable accent. May not even be a real accent that exists out there. So, Crocodile Charlotte sent us this message and is a new Patreon member. Thank you very much, Crocodile Charlotte. And wanted to say hello, wanted to say thank you. She says she's been loving every minute of her show, listening on her long drive uh, that were great uh, driving background noise. Probably, you know, I don't know, she needs a new muffler or something, and she just needs something to cover up the sound. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, she stumbled across our show and... You and I are going at it so much that it settles the noise of that rickety old catalytic converter popping and snapping. And, <laughs> or she likes our or she likes our jokes. One of the two. Which, by the way, that's really what we do on the show is we just joke around and have fun. True. Have we, we have the same conversations that we would be having at the pub after a after a day of diving, not quite so structured, not quite so researched. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> true. I, I I do have to keep us on track. Whereas there's no telling where we're going at the end of an hour or two on a pub conversation. Forget about yeah. it. But anyways, she says that she wanted to send us a message because she had a situation occur. And she mentions that the more and more she listens to our show, that it's becoming more and more relevant. And she wanted to let us know about this. She says that she received her open water certification this year, back in February. She admits that she's still a new baby diver, if you will. A baby diver. A baby diver. Aye. Aww. A cheeky baby diver. Crocodile Charlotte is... (laughs) Little baby Godiva. <laughs> hey. She's the baby Godiva. Coffee's kicking in, old Jamesy. Oh, man. I think uh, my wife might have put a little nip of the good stuff in the coffee this morning. A wee nip of the good stuff, eh? A wee nip of the Fosters. You know, to us Americans, we all, we all know what Fosters is. Tell, tell, them what, tell them what Fosters Tell them what Fosters is, Brenda. It's Australian. For beer, mate. For beer. 
Uh, now, at least that's what they say here. But if you go to Australia. Now, the funny thing is, big shout out to one of our longtime listeners, Mike K. Recently, hey, Mike, hey. Ex, ex-Michigander moved down to Florida. Fucking I. He, now he's gonna have to lose. He's gonna have to lose his Michigan Midwestern accent. He's gonna have to come up with a with a North Central Florida accent. But he and his wife went down to Australia on a trip, and he went into pub after pub after pub with a video camera and, and taped himself, or had his wife videotape him talking to the bartender. Can I get a Foster's? And they look at him like. What the what? fuck? What the fuck's a Foster's? A Foster's? Right? Can I get a Foster's? <laughs> and every pub, they're like, "What the hell's Foster's?" No, it's they don't say it like that, James. <laughs> they say, "What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah, they just say, "Get the fuck out of here, American." <laughs> <laughs> that was a little. That was a little more New York, yeah, Brooklyn, was, right there. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> get the fuck out. Yeah, what, what they, what they, yeah, Forget what they really say it. is, "Get out of my pub, mate." <laughs> get out of me, pub. But anyways, we, you and I talk about the value of experience a lot and the varied locations of your experience. And she says, of course, she had no clue being new and coming from a non-diving background about how important it is to have my open water dives be as varied and as thorough as possible especially being from a state that has such unpredictable diving conditions. And I I guess we should clarify that a little bit. I understand that on your open water dives, you may do your open water certification dives all from the same very location. And every open water program, somewhere in that book and in, in that multimedia presentation that you're seeing somewhere, they're going to say that you should stick to an environment similar to where you did your open water certification dives. And that if you go to a different environment, that's the reason why you should do some sort of an experience orientation, discover the local environment dive. Or, or continue with more training or continue with more content. Yeah. Yeah. But Often it's, you got your card, you got your certification, sign this liability form and go do the, di- you know, go do the dive of the day. So she signed up for her course, got her certification card and did her dives all basically from shore at the local pier, no boat dives. And they had a floor, she said that they could see on descent, kneel down on for their skills, the deepest dive that they went on was to about seven, eight meters of depth. So about 25 so, feet. Yeah, yeah. So not, e- not even 30 feet of depth. She mentions being naive and excited and thinking I was trained enough to go on a boat dive after being told I was certified, I eagerly booked the dive for the next week. I invited some diving friends along with me, two of them with far more experience than myself, so I felt like I was in safe hands. So she says, I had hired my entire kit from the shop. You know what that means, mate? I. She hired an entire kit from the shop. You know what that means? Hired. She hired it. It's going to have to pay income tax now. (laughs) 
that kit. No, I think it means she rented uh, scuba gear. See, look at all the value you get from listening to the Great Dive Podcast. Not only, not only do you get interesting scuba stories, you learn to translate words from one language to another. In other words... We're like the babble of scuba podcasts. <laughs> We're the Rosetta Stone of... You're learning a second language. You can put this on your resume. Fluent in Australian, mate. There's more translations we need to do. So right. get ready so you can translate for the people. I'm ready. She says, I had crappy shop fins. <laughs> I thought she had a budgie or something. <laughs> a budgie in her nappies. Or no, no, no. Her instructor was wearing the budgie. Uh, what was that one you just said? Had crappy shop fins. Oh, that's just bad fins. Probably split fins, I'd imagine. No torch. That No light. Torch light. is a oh, light. Oh, a light. That's what that yes. is. I think everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. Not Americans. Hmm. Did she have any Vegemite? You know, it's interesting. Sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) How would she spread the Vegemite upon the upon her bread for that Vegemite sandwich, Brando? I don't know. With a knife. With a knife. Now that's a knife for me, Vegemite. How would Um, she spread that? Good one. Uh, when, uh, you set it up. You gave me a softball, man. I, I did, man. I, I put that right on a tee for you. When we were down in Curacao a couple of years ago, they had a they had a funny sign like hanging up at the shop of all the words that Americans use and all the words that all the rest of the world uses. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like in in diving and like. Only Americans call them tanks. Really? Nobody else calls them a tank, eh? I call no. it a bottle. I, I mean, I'm... I need a... Can I hire me a cylinder today, mate? It's not bad. Right? But, yeah, we just all, always call them tanks, and, and everybody else calls them torches except for Americans. Americans right. are... Can I get a dive light? Do they say turn on... Like when they walk in a room, do they turn on the torch? No, a torch is handheld. What do they call a, a real torch? Like, the, our definition of torch is the real one, first of all. <laughs> well. <laughs> to us, a torch a, would be like, um, well, you can use a torch to weld. The flame actually comes out of a torch. When you say torch a flame to an American, there's a, like, it, it, like it implies you're, you're there's a chasing, flame there. In my opinion, like, you're chasing Frankenstein back to the castle. Well, when, when you, have a to- <laughs> well, you got a torch, right? You're, you're- <laughs> the Statue of Liberty is carrying a torch as well. You know, right. so there's there's one. But yes, you would well, be that, going that, after Frankenstein. I guess that shows the difference between you and I. <laughs> I, I have say. Frankenstein comes to my mind. I Statue of Liberty Statue comes Liberty. to your mind. Uh, dive light comes to everybody else's mind when you hear torch. Right, the rest of the, the world. I mean, I think it's just like a handheld flashlight. Is the torch. rest of the sane world. Uh, well, a handheld light comes to I don't think mind. they're that sane, dude. I don't think they're much off where we are. The world is losing its collective mind. So So she says she also had no SMB and no adequate dive computer. And this is actually what was going to be the first time ever really using one. Wow. She had none, but she was going to use one? How did I how did um, I just get that? Yeah, yeah. So she had no computer she didn't during own one. during her training. Okay. okay. But now she's got one thrown on for the dive that she's signed up to go do with some friends. And 
again, this is something that I see a lot of divers all the time is even your own personal dive computer. It takes some time to really get comfortable with the computer and reading it and understanding it while maintaining awareness with your teammates, while maintaining buoyancy in the water. I mean, it's one thing to just hold on to a line and stare at a computer for two minutes to try to read something. It's another one being in midwater, keeping your dive buddies insight available to help each other out read your computer make an appropriate ascent spend the uh, appropriate amount of time that you need to spend on the ascent right there's a lot going on and and if you you don't know what the computer's really telling you yet that is going to eat up a ton of attention and awareness agreed yeah it it'll suck that focus right down to a laser point beam and let alone if you've gone through the first four dives of your open water program where the instructor tells you, by the way, you went to eight meters on that dive, write that in your logbook. By the way, you're down for 27 minutes, write that down in your logbook. It's going to take you a handful of dives if you're really quick of getting the hang of remembering all that stuff yourself, being aware of all that stuff yourself. So you just told the diver what to put in their logbook. You know, this uh, kind of drives me a little nuts. It's like a parenting thing, too, because I'm always telling my wife not to do shit for my kids. Stop. You know, stop doing their laundry. All Stop. They can learn to do laundry. Stop. Hey, uh, are you hungry? <laughs> and then she'll go make them something. I'm like, if they're hungry, they can get off their ass. And go make themselves something. I don't say it like that, but I, I mean, my dad would have said that to me. And of all the things I could fault my parents for, I would never fault them for making me do something on my own that I'm perfectly capable and I need to learn how to do on my own. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, is is this not one of the main takeaways? This is it, like this is one of the main takeaways for students that go through the essentials with me is yes you're going to walk away with ownership of the dive right and, and it's one of the first questions is after dive one is how deep were me uh hang on let me check my computer let me go into the log mode right because they've got no concept of what they just did underwater that is that is something that that most diving education really really misses with setting the student up, the diver up, with an awareness in the water, and it's one of the big, it's one of the big things that we've got to fix in a class like that. Right, when you're doing everything for the student, it puts nothing on their shoulders. Why would they even pay attention to it? You're going to tell them when they come up, "Hey, you were yeah, you were at 28 feet for 36 minutes." Okay, thanks. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and then. You know, the the white glove treatment often continues with here's some here's a here's a water kickback relax. Let me I'll, I'll change your gear for you. Ooh, you know, that's 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 my big issue with what the industry has wanted with that first class white glove treatment all these years. Like I get it, you know, thirty years ago of wanting to bring people into the industry, but I think it was the wrong way to go in hindsight looking back. Because of this very thing. And you set yourself up for liability, I would think. Holy shit. 
I'll just say, hey, people, switch out your gear. Yeah, give it a little check before you go, but I don't want to be switching your gear out. Have we have we beat that? Have we beat that to death? The uh, <laughs> you're making uh, you're making weak divers when you do everything for them. Agreed. It's like weak humans when you do everything for them. Now there's a difference. No. Between doing a shore dive and doing a boat dive. Really? <laughs> Did you learn that in your instructor class? <laughs> Even on the calmest of days, flat, calm water, zero wind, zero waves, the water's like glass, those beautiful, magical days that you get every now and again diving off of a dive boat. You could be in the devil's It is a completely different dive than doing a shore entry. Well, yeah. You could be in the devil's triangle if that happens. And... A lot of people would say that that's why there's something like a boat diver specialty class. Definitely a need for a class like that. I mean, that's really helps prepare you, especially if you don't have a lot of time on boats. So you come into the diving world, you're going to go diving off of boats, and you've never really spent time on one. Well, it's going to be a whole new world to you. I mean, there's, yeah, there's and, and language, if, uh, there's proper etiquette there's you know procedures and that you need to know yeah you need to know this stuff now i would say that the majority of the boat diving certifications that i've seen people receive came from hey uh you just did a bunch of boat dives (laughs) um if you if you give me a hundred bucks i'll certify you as boat diver and it'll work towards your master deluxe certification rating Mm mm-hmm well, yeah, or they go out on a little, you know, 20-foot speedboat. <laughs> okay, you did it. Congratulations. It's like getting your wreck diver in Union Lake on a, uh, you know, a 26-foot speedboat sunk at the bottom. That's your wreck diving cert. Right. Or getting your, your advanced card from a quarry that goes to 60 feet because it's cold. It's cold. We're, it's counted as 10 feet deeper. <laughs> well... Technically, you're not meeting the, the requirements of an advanced class of a real deep dive. <laughs> yeah, and, and diving off of a boat, right, you're immediately in the game. I, mean, I would say that that's the big difference where you can, you can stand in waist-deep water when you do that shore entry. You can take 10 minutes to put your fins on, re-defog your mask real quick, give a little spit and a rinse and... Make sure all your hair's out of the way and stand back up and, you know, recheck your regulator and your octo and uh, double check your, you know, pressure gauge one more time and, you know, turn around uh, again for the third time and have your buddy, you know, triple check your tank that it's all the way out. Like you can ease your way in for 45 minutes into the water if you had to. And you often see new divers doing that, right? checking and rechecking and triple checking and quadruple checking and did i check all of that right because it's not even registering in their head yet versus on a boat you know when pools open it's you're immediately in the game you're either in control or you're plummeting to the bottom out of control <laughs> uh you you've you're drifting away because you got in too soon before the the rest of your buddies that weren't ready and things get separated on the surface. Like there's a lot of stuff that's happening if if you're not 
mentally in the game that you need to learn about and get comfortable with, with diving from a boat. So she says that the conditions that day were so rough that I actually called the charter company to ask if the dive was still going on. And I was told that it was. How did they say it? <laughs> oh, yeah, good point. It was, mate. No, it, uh, there's got to be a word for it. Yeah. Bring a torch. Crikey, mate. Of course we're going diving. Why do you think we're a bunch of wimpy <laughs> Americans can't handle some waves? Grab your torch and your dive blingy. You know what a dive blingy is? A dive blingy. A dive blingy. Ah, the dive blingy. I never heard that one. It's your computer, mate. It's the it's the it's the fancy computer. Hi. Are we going diving? There's a knife spread of Vegemite sandwich, mate. Of course we going diving. <laughs> so a calm day on a dive boat and a rough day on a dive boat are, in my opinion, almost two just as different things as a shore dive and a boat dive. Well, I'd agree. And you can have both a calm day and a rough day <laughs> on the same dive. Uh, things right. change, right? Yeah, there's a big dynamic that occurs. She says the boat arrived, slamming into the pier due to the waves. And I jumped on unaware of how the dive would pan out. She says, I told myself that if I felt uncomfortable, I just would not get into the water. Good. She's got a head on her shoulders. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people get the pressure, you know, and that's part of the danger when a uh, a charter doesn't call the dive because of weather. You, for those who don't know, when a charter calls it, they get their money back. They, the divers get their money back. When the divers call it, you lose. You lose your money. So, Right. So the, the charter captain really doesn't have a lot of motivation to call the dive. Other than the, the safety and well-being of the right. divers on the boat. So is the safety trumping the monetary gain motivation to go out? Well, that's often the, the line that's drawn. And, and I've been on dive boats in the Great Lakes where, like, as the, the dive leader, I've called it to the captain. And the captain said, hey, man, this isn't that bad. We can go out in this. And I said, I know these divers on this boat that are signed up today, and I know a handful of them that have no business in this water. And you've got to, you have to be able to have that, that, that ability to make that call. That's a tough one. It's, one. it's one thing if you've got, you know, a boat full of really hardy, experienced, rough weather divers versus somebody that's on their very first boat dive ever and is ne- doesn't even know the difference between port and starboard. Right. Right, because they, they just haven't learned anything on a boat yet. Those are two different worlds. Yeah, it's not always clear-cut, too, James. I mean, sometimes that in-between area is like, well, it's right on the edge of where I think they're comfortable. It could, it could be good for them in the sense of it pushes their, their comfort levels. You know, yeah. a little bit there, which is always good. That's where you grow is when you push that comfort level a little bit. But there's a fine line to where it's risky. The risk is is greater than the reward, and you don't want that. So, 
She said the boat stopped at the site and we were yelled at to get off. Get off, mate. <laughs> get your cranky didgeridoos off me boat, eh? Yes, they were all. They all had didgeridoos because they're in the land down under. We, we got to come up with a better name for boat. Hey, mate, get off me floaty float, mate. <laughs> What's Australian for boat? Get off me floaty foster, mate. <laughs> take your Vegemite sandwich. Get off me floaty fosters, eh? And take your knife with ya. So she says that they were diving in slack water. So time was sensitive, right? So, hey, we got a, we got a sh- short window. Again, that, this is something else about boat diving, right? We, uh, I mentioned earlier that you're on a time restraint. You just can't take all day. Let alone they're out and they have to hit this dive site during slack tide. So they got an hour window to, to get in, get out. Before it gets crazy. Yeah. They're, they're, and they're getting their ass kicked. Already. And this is the call. And this is the calm. <laughs> this is the calm, easy time, right? So she felt peer pressured, I, I guess, is, is the bottom line, right? That she had to get off and get in the, into the water. She says, I stepped off for the first time off a dive boat into the choppy blue water. Yeah, that peer pressure thing. Back to that, James. The peer pressure. That yeah. you, can, you can have a, a, a boat full of new divers and the, each one's looking at the other one. They may not know each other. So they, they think, I'm not calling this dive. I don't right, want to be the one. Inside, they're all psychologically freaking out. But none of them is going to say anything because they don't want to be that one that called the dive. Because it's peer pressure. Yeah. The pressure there is, even though it's unspoken and even though you don't know the levels of the divers you're with, nobody wants to be, quote unquote, that guy, right? Or that gal. That diver. Yeah. That human Yeah, nobody wants to be seen. Yeah, nobody wants to be seen as the wimp that, that called the dive. So you put yourself into a position that all of you were wishing... Somebody would have just said, I don't want to do this. Yeah, this is this is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. I remember a time doing a dive out in Lake Huron off of a small boat. It was a choppy day. We weren't doing anything extreme. It was pretty basic dives. I mean, this, this was, you know, over 20 years ago in my early minted instructor days. Went out with a family to take them out to do some dives. Uh, we were doing their advanced class, and we were going to do uh, a boat dive for their advanced because we were on a charter boat. We were going to do a wreck dive for their advanced because we were going to be on a shipwreck. We were going to do you know, a, a, their deep dive the next day. Well, one of them splashes overboard and just goes full-on comatose panic you know that full-on passive panic like (laughs) like they don't hear a word you're saying yeah no and and like like a statue yes eyes wide regulator out of mouth choking but not like choking like help i'm choking just like content with choking (laughs) (laughs) and uh, i saw her and uh, i looked at the captain captain looked at me like that don't look good. <laughs> and I, you know, jumped off and, you know, got her and, you know, swam her back to, to the boat. Did you rip your shirt off? Did, um, did you expose your giant I... ass for scuba guy? <laughs> Super scuba. Here I come to save the day. <laughs> scuba James is on his way. 
Yes. Nice. Do you carry that music like on your phone or something? Like, <laughs> hold on. Hit play as soon as I rip my shirt off. Hit play. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany, know. hit so, play. As soon as somebody I hit- got a phone camera going, a couple of phone cameras. I want. I want this yes. on film. Uh, this diver needs help. Can somebody get their phone out and start recording <laughs> real quick? <laughs> Oh boy! I want you to get my. I want you to get the jump in and everything. So, yes. But no, no, not not from that angle. Get up a little bit higher so you can see see her in the back. There you go. There you go. All right, now I'm ready to go. Tell, let me know when you're ready. <laughs> okay, and action. <laughs> it's, it's, that is exactly how a rescue occurs nowadays, right? Well, it's it's horrible. I mean, this is a, this is a a terrible truth of what's going on in society. It's just watching all these silly ass fucking videos of people getting their asses kicked or uh, just some kind of disaster going on. Somebody really getting torn up in trouble and people are filming it and it's more than one person. So don't tell me, Oh, I wanted um, I'm trying to help them by having something for the lawyers or whatever the fuck goes through your mind. Right. You're sick. You're mental. And that unfortunately it's, it's pretty common out there. So I know it's a little tangent, but put your fucking phones down and help, cocksuckers. Instantly, she says, one of my diving friends had a free-flowing regulator. So they had to get back onto the boat. Again, you're not used to diving off of a dive boat, right? You're, walk, you're, you're used to walking in nice and slowly so that when your octo that is connected to the BCD with the mouthpiece pointing up. As you slowly walk in, it starts going, and your instructor's right there and says, oh, remember, you got to have the regulator with the mouthpiece down, otherwise it's going to start free-flowing like that. Oh, yeah, and you turn it around and put it back in, and you take your sweet time getting into the water. Versus when you jump off the back of the boat and that mouthpiece hits pointing up on an alternate air source and goes, and then the Venturi effect takes it hold so the diaphragm just sucks all the way in and it doesn't stop that to a new diver who's unfamiliar with what's actually going on they think all hell's breaking loose on their equipment my my regulator's failing the first sign is panic and get the hell out of the water versus stop and take control of things because they're experienced and even if they've already uh covered this in class you know hey sometimes your reg will go you know mouthpiece up into the water and the pressure differential will will start a free flow just like you say the venturi effect takes over and sucks the diaphragm on uh and in the pool yeah you just take your reg and you turn it right side down you know put the mouth mouthpiece down and 99 percent of the time it stops um yeah because you're because you're standing up in the pool doing this or you're kneeling in the the on the bottom of the pool doing this with the instructor right there very controlled it's a a different game Mm -hmm. it's a different game when you're in 50 feet of water right and then you just hear it bubbling and uh the loudness and the, the being startled by it already as you do your first, you know, giant stride or wh- however you enter the water, God forbid you, you back rolled off and you're all upside down and rags free flowing and you pop your head up and it's just loud and people are yelling at you. It's, it's, you know, it's chaos. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, right. There's bubbles going everywhere. People are yelling different instructions to do when in, Lucky you, know, you got a snorkel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, the uh, the chaos of it all is is what's happening, right? I mean, yeah. th- this is what's just spiraling this into into freakout mode. And she says, "This, of course, made me panic. Yet I still had my other two buddies, and it was time to descend." So they're like, "Hey." Uh, <laughs> Platypus Peter is going back to the boat. Let's go, Crocodile Charlotte. We got a dive to do. Where's Wallaby Walt? What about the uh, the third one? Yes. <laughs> Wallaby Walt is uh, he's going back to the boat, mate. Dingo Dawn here, just up up You're on still top got... side with me Vegemite sandwich and me knife. Hey, Dingo. Hey, we don't see Dango very much, do we? Dingo. No, I'm I'm going to name Go my dog Dingo. Say it though. You want to say it? You want to say the line really bad? The one from Seinfeld. You don't remember this? No. The, the Dango ate my baby. The Dango <laughs> ate my baby. <laughs> you don't remember that line? How she was getting? Oh, I should I should have remembered that. Yeah. Drunk and she couldn't stop saying it to the Australian people. The Dango ate my baby. There's the title of this. The Dango ate my, and then fill in the blank. The Dango ate my air McDoodle, right? Okay, go on. She said the visibility was under two meters. It was dark. I could barely see either of my buddies on the descent, let alone at the reef site. So she said the visibility was under two meters. So it was dark. less, Less than a fathom. Less for than those, a fathom. For those out there that only understand uh, dimensions in nautical terms, fathom. Less than one fathom, you guys. Being able to walk into the water from shore and swim on the surface to a buoy where you can see the bottom the whole entire way puts, you know, puts that new student diver you know, mentally at ease. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. it's one of the first things I'll, I'll do with when I'm doing a training dive with a brand new diver that you can see that anxiety, you know, in them mm-hmm. as you swim out to the buoy and you're going to make that descent. It's, you know, hey, put your face in the water and, you know, look down. I mean, you can see where we're going to. It's right there. Right. You know, that, to a new diver, that's one of the first, you know, calming things that. I can see you, the bottom. You can do it. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Because they're just, you know, you're, you're not in that little blue tiles everywhere, swimming pool, right? There there might be some wind. There might be some little bit of uh, rippling waves on the surface. Even in a pretty protected open water, there's real environment There happening. might be so you, sharks out there, Mike. It was dark. Boy, like you look at the difference of... Doing a dive where it's blue skies and sunny uh, versus it's cloudy and overcast on the same dive where all of that water, like especially out in the Great Lakes, all that water becomes like a black blue versus a turquoise clearness just from the the sun. Yeah, that light adds a a level of comfort to to new divers. It allows you to see things. It's not so... I don't know, claustrophobic, not so close yeah, in. Yeah, well, that's it, right? a, that, 
Yeah, that closing in. And even though, like when you and I know, you, you get down to the bottom and the visibility is just as clear either way. Right. You know, but it's, you know, how that's taken effect on the surface and, and how far you can see below you. Yeah, it all adds into the already mounting psychological, you know, pressure or, or anxiety. That's yeah, the, those, the those stressors, mm-hmm. all those stress triggers are just clicking, clicking, clicking. Right. You're in a an environment where it's not compatible with human life and the lighting is dimming and what you can see is less and less, you know. You, it starts to to pile up on the old psyche, and stress levels increase. You don't know what's down there either. I mean, you're new to this shit, right? Have, yeah, you've never never been there before. You talk about that. Then he plays the Jaws theme music on the boat. <laughs> right. We got to remember, dun, 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 right? Dun, 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 dun. You're in that snowball effect right that that chain of accidents that ripple effect of mm-hmm. of of problems you're at the beginning of it you're you're just you're getting a little <laughs> hand-sized snowball made up right that right and and look at uh right and look how many little pushes mm-hmm. she's getting right from from the rented gear the the first time ever trying to read this computer thing the weather, uh, first time the on waves, a boat rough water yeah. darker, low visibility like getting yelled at to hurry up and get in uh, a, a time restriction that they got to get in and perform and, and be done right All time stress is- time stress is huge that's one of the the biggest stressors that you can put on a human is this time uh weight you know it's like a it is it's like a huge weight when you're doing something now yeah just i mean i mean just driving around yeah well having nothing to do with scuba diving things you do normally every day james every day something you would do and you would do it without a problem you probably do a lot of things without even thinking about it and then when somebody says okay you got six minutes to do this Oh, now I'm going to take three of them just stressing about the fact that I've got only six minutes to do it, right? Yeah, and normally you would do it in four minutes, but all of a sudden you've got this limit. This like, I don't know what you call it, but this requirement of needing to do it within a a certain time period. For some reason, that is a huge stress factor in humans. So adding that was bigger than I think is really, I think we're really even stressing. I just want to say this to me, that time thing, you already have a time limit based on your gas, right? And bottom time, you know, and dive tables. You know, physiologically you have a limit and mechanically right. you have a limit. But now throw into it that that tidal time compartment you have to dive within. Whoa. So you can't sit around and, you know, fuck around and get comfortable at the surface. They just want you to get in, get your goddamn dive over with so we can get back to the pub with me Foster's and me Vegemite sandwich, eh? We're not done yet. Well, get your dangos moving, eh? Your dangos and wallabies in order. In addition to all of that, she could barely see either of her buddies on the descent, and let alone at the reef site. Oh, here we go. How it begins. So again, I mean, when when you're used to everybody just descend, crash onto your knees, 
get in a semicircle close enough where everybody can hold hands so the instructor can just you know do a do a you know stand in one spot and do a circle of flood and clear 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 you take forgot. your egg out put it in take your egg out put it in take your egg out put it back in. right you forgot just to knock through you forgot <laughs> everybody is also arm in arm like chanting kumbaya you forgot the kumbaya right, part right but Ooh, now you're out on a real dive where you have to stay together on the descent. Uh, you are in, you know, you three together need to be aware of somebody has an ear problem. Somebody's, uh, you know, oh yeah, struggling with finding their inflator on their BCD. And then to control your buoyancy above the reef and not just crash into the, reef, the bottom. Yeah. yeah, not crash into it. So now I've come completely change not only my environment but the needs of what you need to do on a real dive like that's the problem in my opinion with putting student divers on their knees is it does not mimic reality whatsoever well we said that a million times it none of it mimics reality asking for your mask does not mimic reality and that's a I, I know we harp on it, but it's just such a big one because so many people panic when they their mask floods um, because they don't have that skill mastered. Care what what you say? They're, right, right. Well, we're gonna mastered. we're gonna dive into that in the next couple coming weeks. Fucking a. Um, I know you're gonna be excited for it. I know I'm the people excited. are gonna be the people are gonna be excited for it. But we're gonna get into that soon. Okay. For crikey's sake. Right. I'll save it all up for, for this. This is going to be the magnum opus of our work, this, this no mass thing. She says it was the most horrifying experience. And she's probably going to come right back to diving or go right to that shop and buy a whole new setup of gear, right? Is that what she's going to do? Well, she says it was the mo- it was the most horrifying experience, right? All of this, the, like zero fun whatsoever. Like, like, and is that not why people? The main reason why we're learning to scuba dive is to go have fun. Well, you're trying to have some fun, yeah. It's tough to have fun when you're scared shitless. I mean, a, a little amount of uh, scare get get the heart pumping. Yeah, the, you know, the, there's cool. nothing wrong with the the, the butter the the, the pre dive right. butterflies. That's you know that's that's something that you know keeps you on edge. You know, you should have that on on a big dive. But I just want to live mentality. That's, that's not no fun. fun. No, I just want that's to no live. fun at all. Uh, she God, says, "If I, you get me through this dive, I promise I'll be." Did she start promising God shit? I promise God, I'll please, be a better just person. Just let me live, God. I promise I'll I'll, I'll always. <laughs> I'll, I'll go to church. Uh, I, I'll start going to church again. I'll, I'll floss twice a day. I'll uh, I won't. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes, God. Whatever it takes. Yeah, we, when you're praying to live, it it's not a good feeling. No. And it, she says, I, she says, I felt underprepared, or she says, I felt unprepared, underequipped, terrified, and completely reliant on my dive buddies. And they felt the same way. <laughs> and they probably, yeah. <laughs> they probably. It's okay. Yeah, they probably at least felt they got the Crocodile way. Charlotte at me side, eh? <laughs> With her knife. <laughs> she just went through training, mate. She's most prepared of all of us. She wants Ada Dango. So, what is it that an open water certification is supposed to do 
other than make that diver confident to get back in the water and go diving on their own. I mean, it should, should that not be the whole point of the certification? Not rattling through some skills to show that you cleared a mask and, uh, you know, uh, pulled out a, an alternate air source and put it back in, right? That's not the, the point of, of learning to dive. It, it's supposed to be to build confidence so that that diver can go out and do those dives again in their own little team, independent of supervision. And here she's getting in the water, feeling completely reliant on her dive buddies. She was okay doing this because she knew she had experienced divers that she could count on. Not, not that like she, she's never having the thought cross her mind that what if these experienced divers need my help? Am I able to help them out? Because a buddy team, there's two sides to it. Well, I was going to say back to the, the point, the point of divers training, you're exactly right, should be to adequately prepare them to go have a good time, be comfortable, and go scuba diving. Whereas the point, the mission statement, I believe – and it, maybe it's not a, it's an unspoken mission, mission statement now, but the mission statement is more of a legal one saying our main goal is to not be sued if they get if they die diving. That's our main goal. And then right. out of that, we'll design our classes versus the like I say, let's make a competent diver who will be comfortable and enjoy themselves a lot more. And business will thrive because people want to do this because they're competent, because they're confident. They're safer that way. Man, I, I couldn't agree with that statement more. I mean, that, yeah. that's the way I look at how divers should be learning. Right. Not this legal standpoint. Yeah. Correct. We teach them a bunch of shit that is utterly not usable, or if you do use it, you're probably going to die too, but it protects an agency from being sued. Because hey, we taught you this. Correct. It's it's catch all. It's it's top down education, yes. right? Making sure the, the the big guys are taken care of. It's not it's not in the best interest of the student diver. It's not in the best interest of the scuba community. It's not in the best interest of of old crocodile Charlotte. It isn't. I think, and I mean, right there, we're getting to the heart of probably the Great Dive Podcast's whole point. Which is, you can't model the training programs legal as the legal ramifications being the the main motivation for how they structure a class or the the content of said class. You can't make it a legal thing as the main motivation. It has to be a competence thing. How good right. can they dive? Can they dive gooder than other things? <laughs> she says if i had even a little bit more of a natural worry or fear this would have been my first and last dive after being certified i believe it i mean you're not alone i don't think you're alone in that thought i mean people that go through this kind of thing and mind you this is just one story that one person spoke out you know this is a very common event right here this correct is- correct I mean, uh, once again, if, if, if I've heard this once, I've heard it a thousand times. Exactly. She says the entire dive 
was a mental struggle of trust in myself, you know, panic-wise, she says. I, I, I guess you can walk away if you want to have a silver lining that, you know, sh- she was able to to learn to trust in herself and, and be strong. But, boy, that's a, that's a rough way to throw those stakes at her, you know? Yeah, that's more of a, uh, you know, um, subdue your panic. You know, you can feel it wants to come out. You can feel your mind wants to go, get the fuck out of here. But thankfully, the that other side of your mind says, you're alive, chill out, relax, think this through, take a breath. That That's the one that won out. So that's a good sign. Yes, agreed. She says, trust in my very little freshly learned diving abilities and trust in my buddies. And trust in the Great Dive Podcast. Cause- and trust in the Great Dive Podcast. <laughs> You might you might be doing the old Led Zeppelin song all the way up that you learned listening to the Great Path Podcast. Couple of the license, no. <laughs> there we go. I was waiting for it. And then the guys on the boat are like, three divers just broke the surface and they're singing Led Zeppelin." <laughs> Is that the immigrant song? Is that that's right, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when we finished the dive, she says I struggled back onto the boat, being hit with waves and holding on for dear life. I finally sat down, took my gear off, and could not believe what just occurred. What does not kill you only makes you stronger. Remember that. Yes. But unfortunately for her, right, I mean, this is a, this is an ass kicker of a dive. And I've, I've, I remember doing a dive in, uh, in, the, in Cocos years ago that we got in and it was, it was chaos. The current was out of control. Uh, you know, the, the group is just like split off into like bodies are just like <laughs> zipping <laughs> Zipping, zipping down this dive. Uh, this lady that was uh, on the boat with us. I mean, she's she comes like down, down this dive site, somersaulting, all right, just out of control. I grab on her, you know, because the the we were doing a dive that was heavy, heavy current right. zone. It was like basically get down, hide in some rocks, and you're gonna watch these hammerheads go by. You're just gonna just. Get down and watch the show. Yeah, find a spot where and you she's can just like chill. Yeah, she's a she's like about to be in the show. Right? <laughs> she's like rolling, and I like grab, I get a hold of her and uh, get her settled into a place where like she can hide from from all this flow, all this current. End of the dive, we all gotta come up, and it's okay. Here we go again. <laughs> the living shit, just getting kicked out of everybody, and I I remember being on the surface right and and now we're out in the middle you're in the middle of the goddamn pacific ocean literally i mean there's you, you see nothing there's you know the winds going it was one of those dark cloudy overcast <laughs> days so i'm looking around and, and the boats like picking up bodies everywhere mm-hmm. and i remember distinctly saying to myself if everybody is back on the boat <laughs> When I when I get there, 
I'm going to say this was a really kick-ass dive, but right now, <laughs> but right now, I'm a little worried that uh, we've we've got some paperwork to fill out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just. I'm sure the uh, the boat operators there are very used to in that area where that current is just ripping. You know, dropping divers off later. <laughs> they're just. You know, that current is so strong, so fast. Is it? I mean, I've never dived there, but dived in the caves. Is it cave diving current? strong in spots yeah yeah yeah. in spots see like uh you're not used to it man so you're diving on you're diving on these pinnacles basically that are coming up so there's there's an action side where you're going to get the hammerheads coming through you're going to get all that big stuff that you go to cocos to see but you can always just let go drift around to the other side of that pinnacle and you're on basically the lee side yeah and you're looking at lobsters and eels and like all like all this other stuff so it depends on how how much into it you want to be you know you can be where it's like chaos or you 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 could i mean you can do all the dives just laid back and chill yeah but people are going to say i want to see those hammerheads or i want to see those giant manta rays or whatever (laughs) the hell's coming through there right oh right yeah of course so regardless of their experience or skill level hey if joe schmo can do it I can do it. Never mind that Joe Schmo is a cave diver. Current is nothing. To, you know, he's used to it or she's used to it. Right. It's not just Joe Schmo. It's Betty Joe Schmo, too. Or am I Charlotte, wrong for even Charlotte. Making, Charlotte. And Joe. Charlotte Schmo. Charlotte Joe Charlotte Schmo. Schmo. Crocodile Charlotte Joe Schmo. Char Joe, they call her. <laughs> Char Joe. The first thing that she did after the dive, she said, was she bought an SMB. Learn how to use it properly underwater. Okay. Well, there's a great point. Do you know what proper is? <laughs> the other thing. You got to know what proper is to, to say I've been learning proper. But, yes. Having, uh, a, having a deployable SMB that you tangle around your first stage and your fin and rockets you to the surface from 30 feet. I, I would say that uh, that is not an asset to you as a diver, having that SMB at that point. You need to know how to properly use a deployable SMB mm-hmm. or, or any SMB for that matter so that it is not a liability to you. Right, yeah. It's like any piece of equipment. If you don't know how to use it properly, it can become a liability or hindrance or worse. You know, It can become a life-threatening piece of equipment, a weapon almost. Yeah, right, right. Especially when you use lines underwater, James. I mean, we kind of touch this subject. Lines underwater. I don't know if people realize it's it's just not that simple as. Oh, I'll I'll answer for I'll answer for them. Strange. They don't realize it. No, uh, it, it's so easy to get tangled up. It's so damn. Yeah, they easy. think it's they think it's just get a get a reel and everything's fine. But I mean that line. Yes, it's wonderful. It's your best friend in the world. But if you do not give it. All of the respect it deserves, it can quickly get become you. your worst enemy. Yes, it'll get you. And put a little flow in there. That's what I love to see, a little bit of flow with some line going out. And you take your mind off of this thing for like a, a split second, and yes. line is all there was, over there the was place. Six, it's great. six inches of extra line <laughs> a second ago. Now the whole reel's open. <laughs> it's, it's, tangled everywhere. it's all over what, the place. All I did was blinked. All I did was blinked. And even if you, it's just you, not you getting tangled up in it, it's other divers are getting tangled up in it. It's crazy when you watch some of it go on. I just, yeah, yow, that's nuts. They got to learn to use it. Just because it's for sale in the shop doesn't mean you're competent with it. 
Yeah, right, right. She said she bought a she bought a dive blingy or uh, she bought a dive watch and invested in her own scuba kit later. And she says I will never be diving like the above experience ever again. It was a trial by fire and I'm so grateful nothing terrible happened in that moment of panic. But I truly hope that if anything, sharing this experience with as many friends, family, and diving friends as possible, that I can try and encourage people to do some more research before booking an open water course, or to at least consult someone who knows the area and the type of experience needed. Oh yeah. Well, I I tip my hat to her for not climbing on that boat. When it gets into shore, you you just leave your snorkel mask and fins on the boat and say, "I'm taking up fucking golf or yeah, anything." Yeah, I'm I'm done. I'm never doing it again. Yeah, because I mean that's that's all too often what happens, right? Right? And and, and the scuba industry's been complaining about the turnover rate for decades. Tell me this is not one of the main reasons why people get out of it is, is experience exactly like this because they're, they're unprepared for the realness of the real world. James, how do they not see the correlation between the uncomfort or the discomfort and the lack of competence in basic diving skills and the mass exodus out of scuba? Well, because the divers got a master scuba diver card now <laughs> because we we rushed them right through their advanced well, and we rushed we, them right through their deep and we rushed them right through their night. And, you know, I think even worse is the it, we rushed them into instructor with 100 dives. The right. fact that you have that available is, is it shouldn't be available. That's all there is to it. Well, ultimately, that is where it stems from is is I mean, that's why this person was rushed through a scuba program. And, and given the impression that they were ready for a boat dive in rough water, dark water, an environment completely different from what their logbook experience shows, because the instructor themselves didn't have the experience to be able to guide this new diver through quality growth. She says, I am so glad I came across your podcast this early in my scuba journey. She says, I really believe having these little extra bits of knowledge and info from you both will and is helping me be a better diver. Well-rounded baby diver. I can reflect on this experience and see what went wrong. So many things, she says, whilst working on ways to fix it so it never happens again, hopefully not to anyone. Good on you, crocodile char. Good on you. Good on ya. Good on ya. Aye. Good on ya, crocodile char Joe Schmo. Schmo. This poor girl's like, none of those are my name. That's not my name. <laughs> yeah. Her next uh, her next email she sends is I used to like these guys from a great Dive podcast. <laughs> now, now I can't now I can't stand those. a letter I wrote and they butchered me. We're sorry. Now I can't Crocodi- stand it. crocodile shajo schmo. But she says apologize for this long essay message. And I, I told her I said, Hey, I I don't think this is long at all. I think it's perfect. Yeah, it is perfect. It's great. I mean I, I I'm sad she went through this. I'm glad everything is okay, and it's kind of pushed her in our direction uh, so she can right, right. at least and, and she I, knows what she doesn't know, and she's moving right, in the right direction. Right, and I direction. told her, 
I told her that again, this is this is a story that's all too common. It happens all over the world, right? And it does. New divers like her are completely unaware that they're unaware of what real diving is like, right? Because they think scuba diving is, you know, clear your mask on your knees. Yeah. Just breathe, breathe underwater and live and you're a diver. And that's right. Could be farther from the truth. Well, it's so much of, and again, this is what I said to her, right? I mean, it's all too common. There's so many people that have had this very experience that think that, hey, that's how diving is, man. Sometimes you get on a boat and it's pure chaos. Well, it can but no, be. It, it should, it, it can be, but it sh- that should be the exception to the rule, right. not the right. Like being unprepared for the dive shouldn't be the way every dive goes. It, I mean, occasionally you're going to have some novel experience that occurs right that just, that's what you, I, you weren't expecting right that's what right? I mean and that's by where chaos. you, you fall but you fall back on on your experience to get you through but this shouldn't have happened to her no like this well th- th- by chaos i mean yeah it can seem chaotic it's rough water people getting ready you know, gears falling or whatever, and uh, that can be a little chaotic. But to a well-trained diver or even just a competently trained open water diver, it's easy to keep a semblance of order within that chaos. I mean, what I'm getting at is, yes, there's chaos is going to happen, but how you you are in it, how you operate within it, determines your your enjoyment of it i mean chaos can be a little fun sometimes well i would i would agree and that's what should be presented in the training exactly right it it, it can't all be you know bubble gum and soda pop and, and happy happy and unicorns and and everything's perfect right like bubble once once pop. you know yeah once you know it's that the student good. is comfortable with the bubblegum presentation of flood and clear your mask you should bring in some realness to the mask clear reality so that yeah you're showing a little bit of the chaos that is you know commensurate with their level of experience and and where they're gonna dive right i'm not i'm not saying you 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 make them perform a, a trimix divers level of competency at, at the open water level but the open water level should be more than flood and clear your mask on the on your knees on the bottom of the pool. Well, yeah, I think we get a lot of when we we get into this discussion, we get a lot of people from the other side going, "You guys sound like you want to train everybody to be a cave diver from day one." And I go, "Could hardly be further from the truth." Right. But I just have an idea of what I deem as competent with what I consider a critical basic skill of remove and replace your mask, clear mask. Remove and replace rag, buoyancy control, trim, propulsion. Very basic level of it. Not a cave diver level, but a basic. Whereas their side just says, well, we're not even going to address the idea that it could happen accidentally. No, the, what their side says is, we have a specialty class for <laughs> $99. That's not, that's not important. What we need right now is to get them certified so they can buy gear. And maybe they'll stick with it long enough to learn down the road with a couple more additional classes. I agree. Well, hey, Charlotte, 
Sh Crocodile Charlotte. Uh, she closes off. Actually, she does like our little jokes and, and Australian accents because she says, sending lots of shrimp on the Bobby from Australia, mate. I forgot me shrimps on me Bobby, eh? Flame up the Bobby, Jamesy. I'm cooking up the Bobby right now, mate. Flame her up. All right, folks. Uh, we love reading your stories. We are extremely grateful for all of you guys out there who are sending us um, Patreon donations. Eric and Edward and Alex and Dean and Stan and Justin okay. and Meredith we, and Ad we already into the all two of hours these, of I mean, recording. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. Okay. We can't Anyways, go to no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, so hey, let's uh, we gotta go. Let's run, let's sign these logs later, sir. bitches. Okay, uh, dear Dango James, <laughs> what a great dive, eh? Dango, it's Australian for diving. All right, thanks, mate. That was a super califragilistic oh, expialidocious. I'm, I'm, gonna go, I'm going back to your Mary Poppins mm -hmm. thing. Uh, I like all right, it. everybody, that was that was good. Um, we will see you with some more stories like these next week. Same bat channel. Safe diving, folks.